utter darkness. That's what I remember. The sort of pitch blackness that doesn't allow you to see your own hand in front of your face. About 15 years ago, I was involved in a military training operation where we worked through an elaborate underground system, tunnel system, under a massive 30-building facility. As we rode the bus to get to this location, we soon began to realize that this tunnel system was a labyrinth. We'd been given material to study before arriving at the location, and we were told to memorize them best we could. Upon our arrival, we dropped our gear for the week and then geared up. We were immediately taken to the entrance of these tunnels. We were then given these instructions. No night vision, no flashlights. You are here and you need to enter a building that is here. All we had to go on was our memory, our sense of touch, and counting steps for our distance. There's something about being in that utter darkness that is just naturally unnerving. And yet we pushed into it. Have you ever been in that sort of darkness? One where you can't see your hand and you almost feel like like you're separated from your body because you just can't see anything. In fact, I know that this past summer that some of you in this room probably did have that feeling. After the renovation, some of you may have gotten stuck in the bathrooms downstairs and that light sensor was probably a little too quick. All you had to go by was your sense of touch and the stakes were much higher in the bathroom than they were in that tunnel. The reality of both these situations is that it was not an enjoyable experience. And yet our text today is about to tell us that we are all lost in darkness. The truth of the matter is, without God loving the world, we would be lost loving darkness. Go ahead and open your Bibles this morning. The word of the Lord will be coming to us from John 3.16-21. through 21. And this passage will be the foundation text for our entire Advent series, Light of the World, Advent with John. Advent means arrival. And the Apostle John reveals the truth that Jesus' arrival was as though a great light was dawning in the darkness. During this season, we have hope and celebrate the coming of the light that is Jesus Christ. We do not only celebrate during this winter season as the nights get longer and the darkness of the world seems to get stronger, but we anticipate the return of Jesus Christ for the last of the darkness to be exposed. During this Christmas season, we are reminded that the true light of life has come in Jesus. So no matter how dark the days have been or how dark they will become, we know that the light will always prevail. We have already been saved by the work of Christ, which is why we celebrate the dawning of the light. But we also anticipate when Jesus will return. So we, in darkness, cling to the light 
and have hope in his return to finish his work. Let us now turn our attention to the words written by Apostle John. Stand with me for the reading of God's word found in John 3.16-21. through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. It is here in John 3.16, with John's life-changing truth, that we start our Advent season. John 3.16 is the most popular verse in all of Scripture. And rightfully so. I mean, in some respects, it turned into a pop culture reference in sports through the 90s and, and still is today. But what John captures here is a core, is core to our faith. Now for just a moment, as an aside, I'm going to expose the inner thinkings of a pastor when it comes to teaching popular Christian texts. There are two primary schools of thought. Do I need to unteach what my people know so that they can rightly understand the word? Or is there already a right understanding and what I will do is add depth to that understanding? John 3.16 is a foundational text that is largely understood. So what we will be doing this morning is adding depth to that understanding by looking at three life-changing truths recorded for us by the Apostle John. Starting with, God loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loves the world. Theologically, we would say that the love of God is incomprehensible that no human mind can wrap their head around the depth of the love of God. And yet here we see John use kind of a unique Greek construction that truly emphasizes how God so loves the world. What is even more unimaginable is that this verse gives us how he loves the world and a direct measurement of that unknowable love. He loves the world by giving us his son. And the measurement of his love is Jesus Christ, his very son. God loves the world 
He gave His only Son. The Son of God is Jesus Christ, who has been given by God the Father. (laughs) You know, I've been here for six months now, and I truly love my family here at First Free. There are so many of you that I've gotten to know over the last six months, and you guys have truly loved on me and my family well, and I'm super appreciative of that. This past Thanksgiving, just a few days ago, we were graciously hosted by the Call family, which we absolutely adored and loved. My wife got to smell the country, which she has missed a little bit since we've moved here. My kids got to see the cows and feed a horse. I got to talk with the Calls about sports and all sorts of other things. I learned dad jokes, and it was, it was a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time. And so many other families here invited us to be hosted by their family, and we are so appreciative of that. But it is unimaginable to me that in 2024, when I part from First Free, that I would leave you my son, Levi. It's not a stretch for us to understand how special of a gift this must have been for a father to part with his son for the benefit of those unworthy. God loves the world. He gave his only son. But why did he send him? Whoever believes in him. The son of God was sent for the sake of belief. It is telling that when we identify as a Christian, we are defined by many truths. But at the center of those truths can be answered by one single question. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? And that is because all gifts must be opened. Kids in the room, help me out here for a second. We're in the Christmas season, and undoubtedly one of your favorite parts about Christmas are the presents, right? (laughs) Well, that's helpful. That's good. (laughs) Truthful. But do you just sit there and stare at them under your tree in their pretty boxing with the wrapping paper and the ribbon and the bows? No. Because for a beautiful gift, To be understood and received completely, we have to do something. Right? Kids, what do we have to do in that morning? We have to open the presents, right? In order to understand what's inside of them. The reason we get those gifts on Christmas is because of this story right here. We give gifts because on this holiday, we were given the greatest gift of all time. God the Father so loved us that he delivered to us the greatest gift ever imaginable. But to open that gift, we must do something in response. Just as furiously as you open up your box presents, we must wholeheartedly believe in Jesus Christ. Now, as Christians, we understand the value of Jesus, right? Just like kids know why their gift is the coolest gift or why their video game is the coolest video game. But just like grandparents on Christmas that are asking, what does that thing do? John, through the words of Jesus, reveals to us the purpose of the gift we open in our belief. 
God loves the world. He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. The purpose or function of this gift is eternal life. Eternal life stands in contrast with death as light and darkness, belief and unbelief stand in contrast with one another. This gift has undeniable significance. All of us here today know that we in the flesh will die. We will perish. We will be buried in this earth. And yet, eternity stands outside the timeline. What is being promised here is not simply infinite years being added to a clock, but a whole new reality of existence. We have seen the main reason why Christ has come. But interestingly, John also tells us why he has not For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. John gives us two more purpose statements, one negative, one positive. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. This condemn word here is essential in understanding our text today. This is the verb for judgment. And it will be used twice in the next verse before we get a further explanation of what this condemnation and judgment is in a little bit longer. God knows that the sending of His Son will create certain reactions and perceptions. So He makes it clear the role of the Son is not to judge, but to save the world. This week I was searching, researching about people that are lost. And I came across an interesting statistic about people that get lost in national parks. There are thousands of search and rescues that are conducted every single year. But that's not even the interesting statistic. The interesting statistic is that search and rescue teams only have a 76%, sorry, 73% recovery rate of adults that get lost. See, there's something that happens to an adult when he gets lost in the woods. That's what this research says. Their ability to reason becomes, well, less reasonable. They look at high peaks and they say, I can climb that and get a better vantage point. They look into the woods and say, if I just keep going a little bit longer, I'll figure it out. If I can find this stream, I'll know how to navigate my way back. But what happens is they go further and further into being lost. However, the search and rescue teams have a 96% recovery rate for children. Why do you think that is? I'll tell you. It's because they realize that they are lost. They recognize their situation. They stop trying to save themselves and they literally sit down and curl up and wait to be saved. Jesus came to save 
the lost. Give the dead eternal life and free a condemned people. Friends, if you are an adult lost in the woods, stop trying to save yourself. There is no list of good deeds that you can do to save yourself. No matter how much you spiritualize your life, no matter how much you give to charities, no matter how good the church you attend is, at the end of the day, you need to be like the lost children. Recognize that you are lost in darkness. See the search and rescue lights and go to the light of Christ. God the Father sent Jesus Christ into the world, in the flesh. And living a perfect life, he became a perfect sacrifice on the cross where his blood was shed for your sins. And breaking the bonds of sin and darkness, Jesus was raised up from the dead three days later. The only cost to us is our belief in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Friends, if you don't know whether you are lost or not, and there's a pulling on your heart today, I invite you to come down after service and talk with me or someone from our team after service, or you can send an email or a phone call if that's too personal, but it is my greatest prayer and hope that some of you today will see the light of Christ. Look with me at verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The world is condemned already. 18, we see an acceleration of the judgment language being used. It's used twice. In belief, you are not condemned or judged, but in unbelief, you are already condemned or judged. This is why Jesus was sent. As we heard already, Jesus was sent for our belief, because in unbelief, we are already condemned. What happens in belief and unbelief sets up the second truth that is seen in verses 19 and 20. Look with me there. And this is the judgment. Now remember in verses 17 and 18, we saw three verbs for judgment. And now here we have the noun for judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. It is here we see the second truth that John gives us, which is the light of Christ dawns in darkness. In many ways, verses 19 and 16 contrast with one another and show us that Jesus is the light that has arrived. Verse 16 opens with, God so loved the world. While verse 19 says, and this is the judgment of the world. We see the love of the world and the judgment of the world. And then the second statement of 16 is that he gave his only son. 
And the second statement of 19 is that the light has come into the world. The Father sent the Son, who is the light that has come into the world. And this helps us clearly see that the light here is the Son of Jesus Christ. But of course, to make it crystal clear, we have the words from Jesus himself in John 8. I am the light of the world. We see another contrast between verse 16 and 19 after that moment. Believe in the Son. People love darkness. God says to believe in the Son that I have sent you. He is the light of the world, the one that I have sent for your salvation. But instead we see people love darkness. During the creation account, darkness came before the light. Here is what Genesis 1, 2-3 says. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the faces of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. Just like the creation story, at the dawning of the light of Christ, darkness was already in the world. The people had already fallen in love with darkness. They did not like what the light was doing to them. The light did come to save them, but the light was exposing people for who they really were, revealing that they are an already judged people. We know that the light of Christ dawns in darkness because when he came, the people love darkness and the wicked do not want to be exposed by the light. It is by the light that the thoughts and deeds of darkness are revealed. It is easy to see how this would happen. How we as people would want to not be exposed. For even in this room, we use language like, what is your deepest, darkest sin? To talk about those things that we don't necessarily want to share readily. But probably more telling is what happens outside of this room. When people want to get to know you more, one of the questions they might ask you is, what is your deepest, darkest secret? See, there's something inherent in us that realize the things that are dark are sinful, and therefore people want to keep them secret. Even more revealing is that we recognize that those things are sinful, so we hide them deep so that the light cannot expose them. We are all sinners who think and do things that go against God and his desires for our lives. Evil is dishonoring God and falling short of loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. There is not a person in this room that does not match the description just given, including me and every other pastor and elder. The reality is that we are a fallen people living in a fallen world of darkness. The guilt of sin lies within each of us. The difference is what happens when you are exposed by the light. Does the light break through, causing you to repent and have faith? Or do you run further into the darkness 
hoping to avoid the darkness of your thoughts and deeds. Sin lives in a constant space of deceitfulness and requires darkness to thrive. So as Christians, as believers in the light, we must run to the light of Christ. God gave us his son so that we would believe. And in our belief, we come to the light. And this brings us to the third truth that John reveals. When we come to the light, the light reflects God's glory. Look with me at, verses, at verse 21. But whoever does what is true comes to the light. Whoever does what is true is not a one-time act. It is an ongoing reality and requirement of our salvation found in Jesus Christ. The reality is that Jesus is the truth and the light, and as we follow him, we will always come to his light. We will never wander further into darkness and will not run away from the light. The very nature of a follower of Christ is changed from being a lover of darkness to a lover of light. We were someone who wanted to hide in the shadows and now we want the light of Christ to shine on us. A disciple does all things in the light of Christ and that light reflects God's glory. For what purpose... Look with me at the end of verse 21. So that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. If it hasn't been clear, let me state it as plainly as possible. It is not by our power that God loves us and gives us the gift of eternal life through his Son. We are an already condemned people that loved darkness. But in our belief in Jesus Christ, we are no longer condemned. Now all that we do is under the light of Christ. We were lovers of darkness, and in our new reality, we are lovers of the light. We live our lives in pursuit of righteousness. It is only through God that that can be done. Rightfully so, the light of Christ reflects God's glory in our lives. For without it, we would be lost loving God. The darkness. We often use a term when we feel like our lives are being scrutinized. We say we are living under a microscope. And lately, as Christians, I feel like we have felt that a little bit more in the world. We feel like our lives are under a microscope, that every movement we make is being judged by the people, our faith, our Christ, the God we follow is all being put under a microscope. But here's the reality. Our lives are under the light of Christ. Our darkness is overcome by the light. So I have a question for each one of us this morning. Does your life reflect God's glory? illuminating the darkness? Do the people in your life know that you are a follower of the light? If they do know, do they know because your words, your actions, or both? 
Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are in the light. You cling to Christ. And that makes you the search and rescue team in the world of darkness. We are surrounded by people that are lost, loving darkness. And we already know that the measure of God's love for the world was Christ and is Christ. What is your measure for the love of the lost? Is it the same? Are you bringing the light of Christ to your family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, strangers that you pass on the street? How about the homeless? The fatherless? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. You have been gifted eternal life. And we must act as the search and rescue team of this world, bringing the light to anyone that we can. We are not able to control if they respond to the salvation, to salvation like a lost adult or a lost child, but we still bring the light to all we can. During this Christmas season, Don't stop at personal merriment and joy. Christmas, Advent, it's for us as Christians. We need this formative reminder that Christ came and is coming again. He is the light that broke through our darkness and He will not leave us alone in the dark. He is returning. But celebrated properly... We need to share this season as a source of hope with a world that is lost in darkness. Let us pray. Father God, we humbly come before you asking that you would let us be a people your people that share the light, share your Son with the world. We ask that during this season that you would reflect your glory off of our lives, that it would be evident to all those that we come in contact with. The joy we share, the hope we share is not some personal development, but it is the life-changing undeniable altering of our faith that it is by your grace that we have been given the gift of the light of the world your son jesus christ and we pray this in his name amen